When I left you a couple weeks ago, we've been dealing with kingdom principles. And this is what I want to say to you. Uh, I understand, I understand that when I talk about, I've been talking about these things, it'll scare the fire out of you. I understand that. And some people's left over it. I understand. I told you when I started, they would leave. It's amazing that the Jews allowed Jesus to be a, a healer, a teacher, a prophet. But when he mentioned the word king, he tried to kill him. Let that sink in. They allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do and do whatever he wanted to say until he came right down and he said, are you a king? And he said, I am. And then they went to kill him. If you haven't got the, the picture yet, in the front, in the front four years, we, we, we have, and on the church sign, and I think on the sign on the front, there is a picture or there is a crown with three jewels in it. So maybe you're not paying attention what's going on here. When you leave the church right outside that one, in the front four, you're going to see a huge gold crown. Looks like that, kind of. That's it. <laughs> that is not a partial Canadian maple leaf. That is a crown. It's King Jesus. Father, Son, and the Spirit all in one. And he's crowned with many crowns. This, all this is today, and as has been for years that I've, I've known about this concept, is that, that, that we said two weeks ago that according to your theology of the millennial, Jesus Christ may not be king now. If he was raised in Assembly of God Church, a Pentecostal Church, a Baptist Church, a Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Church of God Church, and we can name a few others, they only believe that Jesus Christ is king when he returns again for a thousand-year reign. And don't look at me that way. And maybe you don't know that. But I, 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 unequivocally, as we said two weeks ago, when he came to this earth, he was king. When he left this earth, he was king. And he has not changed yet. And he can be your healer and your savior and your toner and your friend and your counselor. But I'm telling you, I'm here to graduate you to another level. He's king. And once in a few, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about the kingdom. We'll talk about the millennial reign and Oh, the rest of you will want to leave before this is all over. I promise you. But it's okay. So this is why we've been talking about the kingdom parables. And we're going to begin. Why would he call them kingdom parables? And we, we explained to you why he referred to his son, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, because, because the Jews would never say God. So he used the word heaven because the Jews were very funny about that. Matter of fact, even when they wrote the word Jehovah or God, they had to change clothes and get brand new ink pens. Really. So when Matthew's dealing with the Jews, it was a very, the word God, Jehovah, Yahweh, they, they wouldn't say it. And matter of fact, they surely wouldn't say it in vain. So how can there be a kingdom if there's no king? He said the kingdom of heaven is among you or with you. And we broke this word up. The word king and dom is where we get order for domain, territory. He said the king of the domain is among you. Jesus Christ is king. And so he's savior and he's all these, but he is, he is king this morning. So we're going to begin again a very simple process for the next few weeks. And then we're going to get on the millennial reign. And we made it past the rapture church and not all of you resigned. 
And so some of you wanted your money back, but I wouldn't give it back to you. So, so Mark chapter number 4, verse 21 through 23. Jesus said unto them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on the lampstand? For there's nothing hidden that which will not be revealed. For nothing has been kept secret, but that should come to light. This has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to do with Jesus. For there's nothing. If anyone here has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's telling you straight up that this is a kingdom parable. Unlike that at the beginning of this chapter, the parable of the sower, they had about 14 verses where you call the parable of the seed, the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower. And keep in mind, there's only one seed. It was just different soils. So there's only one seed. And I preach the same gospel, and some will fall on bad ground, and some of them will take temporary root, and some of them doesn't do any good. But it's just one seed of the Word of God. But some of you, whose heart is good, it's received, and it'll bear fruit. I'm trying to get your heart cultivated that whatever the, the Word of God is teaching you, that it'll come in and bear fruit in your life. So, the kingdom of parables is this. Jesus is, is, is rationing up another notch. He's not just trying to get a crowd like me today. He's trying to explain why he's come to earth. Probably next week, I'm going to deal with, with all of his kingly predictions and prophecy. And I should have done that today. But here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 3, which is the beginning of kingdom parables. And I, I want to read this one thing. Mark chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. <laughs> I wrote the word listen. Can we just show the whole verse? Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. This is the parable of the sower. This is the parable of the seeds. This is the parable of the soils. What I want you to see is the first word is listen. Now, the, the King James used the word behold. But the word listen is where I want to begin this morning. The word listen in the Greek is, is, is what we refer to as a kuo. Latin is basically a word called audit, where we get a word for audit. James 1.22 says, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer or audit. Once for credit and once for audit. He said, just don't show up at church and say, well, I was at church. Do something with what you heard. The word doer is a word called poetis, where we get a word for performer. Perform what you heard. Don't just hear it. Perform it. Exercise it. So the word akuo is where we get a word in Greek for acoustics. And so the idea of this, the word acoustics means to be able to hear clearly. So when Jesus used this word in the Greek, to listen, it's a word of a command. And he's looking around, and, and you know what these 12 followers are doing. They're over there pinching one another and playing marbles and, and yelling squirrel. And he said, would you knuckleheads knock it off and listen to what I'm about to say? The word listen has everything to do with commanding one's attention. You ever raised a kid and you felt like they wouldn't listen? So you had to get on another level with them. Jesus is on this other level with these men. He is absolutely commanding them to gather all of their, their, their mindsets and listen very carefully 
for what he has to say. He said, what I'm about to say, I need you to listen. Now, the twist on it is in the Greek, it puts the word H-U-P in front of it, and it's called hoop akuo. The word hoop is pronounced where we get the word for hyper. Hyper akuo. Hyper acoustics. And the English word is hyper hearing. Now, the word hyper, it means beyond or past or beyond the normal. So when you put these two words together, Jesus is saying basically this. Hearing with natural ears, this will, will go beyond, what I'm about to say to you, will go beyond the eardrum in intellect. What I'm about to tell you will go past the eardrum. It's hyper behind the eardrum, and it will prompt obedience in a man's heart. I appreciate you hearing this morning, but I'm wanting you to have hyper hearing. I'm wanting you to hear something that's beyond natural. I'm wanting you to understand something that's beyond normal. I just don't want you to hear it and write notes down and go, yeah, I heard that. I want it to be so hyper to you that it goes past the eardrums, it goes past that hamster on a cartwheel up there, and it gets into your heart, and that heart prompts obedience to God. That's what the Greek calls hyper hearing, beyond. Kind of where we get a word for hyper strength. He uses the word power, kratos, but it means a super ball. A super ball, hyper, like hyper, like, like a dog hyper. But, but the idea of a super ball is, <clears throat> is that if you throw it in sand, it doesn't do anything. But if you throw it against concrete, it shoots 200 feet in the air. Hyper. It goes beyond normal. It's made out of something that once it hits something, it just explodes into the space. And Jesus is saying this, what I'm about to tell you, I need you to knock it off and turn off your phones and quit pinching one another and listen, because if you get this in your heart, it'll change you for the rest of your life, he said. How many of you have ever went to church and, and nothing's changed? Well, it ain't my fault, it ain't God's fault. It's your own stinking fault. Just wait a minute. I don't take responsibility for any of you, because you're not mine. I'm just a sheep herder. That's all I do. So the idea, Jesus is saying this is so important that what I'm about to say, beginning in Mark chapter 4, he said, I need you to listen with hyper hearing because what I'm going to say, it'll skip the surface, and if you're not paying close attention, you'll miss it. All right. Mark chapter 4, verse 21, going back to the lamp. He said, is this lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. Now, he's asking them a question. He's, he's already given them about 14 or 15 verses, this long-winded sermon on the parable of the sower. And now then, like Jesus, he's, he, 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 he changes the illustration. They understood agriculture. He says, so now then, for you that don't know anything about agriculture, let me give you another parable. It's a kingdom parable. He said, it's a lamp to be brought under the bed or a basket. So we all have heard this and sung this song in church. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let's sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, we're not good. This little light of mine, I, I just play piano. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. Then going to let the devil blow it out. No, we learned that in children's church. You should have went in children's church. You learned that song. So that's the concept we get this, but we have one problem with this verse. 
is the first three words is, is a lamp. And it's used in the Greek in a, in a generic sense. In the English, excuse me, in a generic sense, it means any lamp. Any kind of lamp. So, so he gives this 14 verses illustration about agriculture. And he says something like this. Did y'all get this? And they're fishermen. They're not farmers. Okay? So he said, did y'all understand that? They're going, um, may know. So he says, well, let me give you another example of the kingdom. Is a lamp brought into a house to be put under a basket or under a bed. Now, everybody knew about this one. So what happens is, using on the practical surface of a lamp and lighting a lamp in the house, it makes, it makes absolutely perfect sense to take a lamp and light it and, and don't put it under a basket and don't put it under a bushel or whatever it may be. But the problem is, is the language of the word is a lamp because it's used in the English as any lamp or any type of lamp. And that's not the true wordage of this verse. Pay attention. It's referred to as a definite article or the subject of the sentence. The lamp is the subject of the sentence. And if you don't understand the subject of the sentence, you're going to miss out the significance of this verse. He's not just talking about a guy lighting a lamp and sticking it in a house and putting it somewhere under a bushel or a bed. On the surface, they say, well, we understand that, but they're not truly understanding what he's saying. There's a practical wisdom, and there's a speculative wisdom. Practical is wisdom, means practical who do not loan money to, who not to make friends with, and those things. But speculative means there's a message behind the message. Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Jesus is not speaking of just any old lamp in a generic sense, but he's referring to the lamp. When the King Jamers got this and they put it in English language, they were, used the word, is a lamp, and it's wrong. You get the idea, I mean, on the surface, it makes sense that nobody lights a candle and sticks it under the bed. I mean, any chimp from Frank Buck Zoo knows that. But Jesus is saying, I told you from the very beginning, I need you to have hyper hearing. I'm not talking about lighting a light. I'm talking about something else. Jesus is referring to the lamp. So you're going to say, well, then, what, what, what's the big deal? Okay, here, so here's the scripture. This is found in John chapter 8, verse 12. What's this? Jesus said to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Say the light. What if he just said, I am a light of the world. I'm asking you a question. I should have stayed in Alaska. I should have preached to the bears. When he used the word is a lamp, 
is wrong, is translated wrong. He's not talking about a natural, normal lamp. He's talking about something else, and they're not getting it. So for him to say, I am the light of the world, which he says in John chapter 8, verse 12, but what if he just said, I am a light? He's telling you he's one of many lights. John 14, 6, here's the second one. I am a way, I am a truth, and I am a life. It is the word, the. Some of the biggest evangelists on television have been asked this question, is Jesus Christ the only way? And I'm going to tell you, they dodge it bigger than you playing dodgeball. They say there's many ways to God, and it'll make you sick if you'll find out who believes that there's many ways to get to God. There's only one way, and it's the Jesus Christ, God's Son. That's it. That's it. For eternal life. So when he says, he doesn't say, I am a lie of the world, because he's using in a generic sense. It means that any, any lie. And he said, I'm not a way or a truth or a, a way of life. Meaning, there's others in a generic sense. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, odos, the way to God. I am the truth, alethos. It means clarity. And I am the life, which is zoe. It means there's joy in the journey. So when you go back to verse 21, when he refers to who is this lamp? It, it, who is that lamp? To keep things in proper context and content, then we have to ask the question, if the word a lamp is wrong, we have to use the word that lamp or the lamp. So Jesus would clearly say, does anybody take the lamp and stick it under a bed or under a bushel? So the question is, who is that lamp? And so in Old Testament scriptures, Lamp is referred to as God himself and usually is spoken to by his law, his precepts. When you get to the New Testament without boring you, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, but the word lamp is referred to as, as we found in 1 John, St. John chapter 1, 6-8. Read this about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not, what's that? A light. He was not that light. What does that light mean? It's a definite article. It's a specific light. John was not that light. He was just a lamp of the light. So you understand the, the clarity of this when you, so who is that, who is that lamp? Well, even John the Baptist said, I'm not that light. I just come bear witness to the light. The idea Jesus is speaking, not necessarily about a lamp. Jesus Christ in verse 21 is speaking about light. Now, not to confuse you, but we're going to get somewhere with this. But there's a difference between the lamp and the light. Because unless the lamp is lit, there is no light. Anybody ever picked up a flashlight and didn't work? You had a flashlight. But the problem was there was no light to come from it. 
John the Baptist got it right. He said, I'm just a lamp. But without the light, all I am is a paperweight. See, when you understand our role and our responsibilities here on earth, John the Baptist got it right. All we are are vessels. All we are are, all we are, are lampstands. All we are are to bear witness of the light. But only Jesus is that or the light that has come into the world to dispel darkness. Jesus is speaking of himself. And so in, he said, I did not come into the world to be covered or concealed, but I came to be set up on a lampstand that the light from the lamp would shine. What is he speaking about in Mark 4, 21? He's speaking of himself. He's not talking about a lamp. He's not just talking about a light. He's not talking about a child's Bible story about putting your candle under a bushel. Jesus said in the disciples, he said, I need y'all to listen up. I'm going to say something that's going to go beyond your, your intellect. I didn't come into this world as the light to be concealed or hidden. My Father has sent me to set me up on lampstands that the whole world will see the character of my Father through my life. I'm not here this morning to make apologies for, for, for the scriptures that I speak about King Jesus. I'm not here to cover up and try to keep him in, contained in a small box according to your, your theology and your thought process. I am a lampstand. And it's my responsibility to allow God to set his light, which is Jesus, in my life that, that his glory, his kingdom, his authority, his power can be seen wherever I go. He said, the lamp, the light, was never meant to come to this earth and be covered up. The lamp, the light, never was meant to come to this earth to be concealed. Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to crawl around in back alleys and hide. I'm not, I'm not ashamed, he said to my father. I'm not ashamed of where I come from. I'm not ashamed of what I come to do. The Bible said in St. John chapter 1, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, and nothing was made without him. And he said, and he dwelt among us, but the darkness comprehended it not. It means comprehended, lombo. the darkness could not extinguish the light. If we ever want to be successful as Christians, you have to, you have to hear with hyper-hearing this morning, Jesus Christ did not come to this earth so we could have what we refer to as a clawed kick in Christianity. And if you don't know what a clawed Christianity is this, you come up to somebody and say, are you a Christian? You go, well, what, what do you mean by that? I go to church. Well, no, I'm, I'm, see what happens is Jesus said, I didn't come into the world for somebody to apologize who I am. I didn't come in the world to be hidden or concealed under a bed or under a bushel basket. He said that it, in time it will be revealed. 
And you know what? I'm not waiting for a thousand-year millennial reign. I'm not waiting for the second coming of Christ. I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ, he's king of my heart. He's king of my life. He's king of this earth. He lives. He rules. He reigns. And it's my responsibility to put him on the lampstand of my life and just let him do what he wants to do. And, and the thing about it is, light, sometimes it brings comfort, but sometimes it brings conviction. Now, my grandkids, and with kids are growing up, you know, they, they would say, would you leave a light on? You know, I understand. I understand. Because they watch all that stuff, and there's stuff under the bed, and the closet's open, there's green. You know, I understand. So sometimes when, when they're a little spooky, just a little bit of light helps. Really. It just helps a lot. Now, sometimes that light can bring conviction. Years ago that I played, um, when Gail and I was playing golf, and it's been 15 years ago, that I was a part of the FCA, and, and I read a, and I'm not going to say the golfer's name, but he was a senior golfer at that time, but he wrote an article for the FCA about the PGA golf. And this guy said he had a personal friend back in the middle 90s that was the golfer of the year, made it. And uh, he didn't name the golfer, but he said he was the golfer of the year middle 90s. So he had a great year. And so they went to California in Orange County and a lot of times those golfers you see them on television but in between weeks they may have program tournaments or member guest tournaments and that's where the pros will play with either some type of dignitaries of the cities or plumbers or whoever you know. And uh, so he writes this article in this FCA magazine and uh, he said we were great friends he said, uh, I went out to check on them, and, and they had a two-day term of a program. And he said, the, the first day, this guy got to play with Billy Graham. And he said, uh, I didn't follow him around, but uh, he said, when I was at the clubhouse waiting for people to come back in, he said, I was looking for him, couldn't find him. And he asked by name where he's at, and asked where his name, and, and he said, uh, said, we hadn't seen him. He said, he finished his round about 20 minutes ago. So we got to look at it, and he found him on the driving range hitting golf balls with his driver in a fury. And he said, I watched him. Because there's, there's no playoffs, you know, it's just pro-am. And I went out there, and he said, I kind of watched him a little bit. And he said, he'd hit him just as, I mean, just swing from the heels. That means as hard as you can, like Don Dixon does. I mean, it just looks like a windmill. It looks like when the big old windmill's up in Davis. And he just slammed the club down the ground. And he said, that's so uncharacteristic of this man. Here he is, almost 50 years old. And he'd hit another one and slam the club and kick his golf bag and just throw things. And he walked in and he said, what in the world is wrong with you? And that's what he said, volume 10. I'm sick of Billy Cram cramming religion down my throat. I mean, barked at him. And he said, he just kind of took me by surprise. And he said, so I just turned and walked off. And he went back to hitting golf balls. Swearing and cussing. And so he said, I waited just a little bit and I come back out there. And he was sitting down, that little stool for me. And I walked up to him and he said, uh, so Billy Graham preached religion for you at you for 18 holes. And gave an altar call on the 19th hole? 
And he said he dropped his head. And he said, Billy Graham never said anything to me about religion. He said, matter of fact, he was so kind and complimentary the entire day. And he said, what? Then what's wrong with you? And he said, I felt so uncomfortable around him. This guy said, I, I don't understand. He said, well, he said, I couldn't drink my booze. He said, this is what he said. He said, I couldn't smoke my cigars. And I couldn't tell them dirty jokes. And he looked at him, he said, to be honest with you, I just had a bad round of golf. And I blamed it on Billy Graham. That never said a word to me. Except that he loved me. And he thought I was a great golfer. You see, the light never said anything. The light in Billy Graham never said anything. He just shined in a dark place. And it influenced a man's life to a place where it didn't bring him comfort. It brought him a little conviction. You and I are lampstands in this world in a dark place. And the greatest thing that we can do is put Jesus Christ in a place in our life where he can be revealed rather than concealed. You see, at the end of the day, this is what we're doing here. And what I'm doing here is I'm not trying to build a church. I wish you would get that by now. I'm trying to build the kingdom in you. I'm trying to get God bigger in you and get you with hyper hearing to say that no man, not even my father, would take delight. How many of you would go home to a dark house and the electrician's not working? You say, honey, I know the electrician doesn't work and there's no lights here, but I got a flashlight. So you run to the closet and you get your flashlight and you, and you turn it on and, and, and sure enough, it works and immediately you stick it in the closet and shut the door. Nobody does that. Well, if you're south of Wilson, you may, but that, nobody does that. Jesus said, my father has not sent me to the world to hide me or conceal me. He's going to reveal me to who I am. And not only am I the healer, and I'm the counselor, and I'm wonderful, and I'm the mighty God, but I am king. And when he becomes king, then what happens is that he goes beyond just our intellect. When he becomes king, it prompts our heart to become obedient. And all I want to do for the rest of my days, you understand I've been doing this almost 34 years. You understand that? A long time. You see these gray hairs? You're the reason. And all I want to do is make sure that I'm not trying to hide or conceal the power and the authority of a risen Christ He's king.
He's king. He's king of my life. He's king of my heart. And I want to be the lampstand that his glory can set up on me and, and not taint it with colors. The Bible said that the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. We talked about this, but you've seen me do this. Take a candle and light the wick. The color of the candle cannot contaminate the flame. If you're burning an orange candle and, or a red candle and the flame is red, you've contaminated the flame. If you're burning a green candle and the flame is green, you contaminate the flame. No matter what color candle is, the flame is the same color. And the same size. And as we surrender and submit, and we yield our life, the object of a floating wick or a, a, a light upon a candle, as the candle continues to submit, unlike granite, granite will not submit. Granite only gets hard and brave. But when we, as the candle of the Lord, we'll give our lives to Him and say, God, set your light upon me, not some flamethrower, but just a small light that I can dispel darkness wherever I go. I don't even have to say anything. I just want you to influence people's lives somewhere. And my prayer for you this morning is this. That Jesus Christ did not come into this world to be hidden or concealed out of embarrassment by weak Christians. He's King. He's Lord. And there's none like Him. And now what's going to happen is in this church and in your work, they hate you because there's a King in you. And we're way beyond Christians. We're children of the King. There's royalty in our blood. And that's why you can sit by people and you never say a word and they hate you already. King Jesus, on the day that he was risen from the dead, from that moment, he received his crown of coronation and he's been king every day. Since. And will he set up a kingdom one day? Absolutely. But that has not stopped him from being king even today. He's king. So the question is this, as we leave this morning. We are lampstands. We'll do that next week. And this is all I want to do is... God, be glorified in my life. The word glorified means to set apart or above. God, would you just be glorified in my life? And wherever I go, it's not necessarily what I say or do. Just let the light of God be seen in my life. And that's our prayer. Jesus is Lord. Father, this morning that your word clearly tells us for us to listen because you're about to say something that is absolutely beyond physical intellect. We're not talking about just any lamp, and we're not talking about any light. We're talking about the lamp and the light. King Jesus. The wise men said, we've come to honor the king of the Jews. I pray for everyone this morning that has given their life to Christ. They've made a, a confession 
of repentance of their sin and a profession of their faith towards Jesus. But I pray that we graduate this morning to another level, that he's more than just a savior. He's more than just a healer. He's more than just a counselor. He's more than just our companion. He's king. And Father, we have learned that we're not waiting for an unknown space and time to come in the future for him to establish his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is already among us. The kingdom of heaven is already within us. The king of heaven lives in us. And I pray this morning, Father, that we just take authority over every foul spirit and foul thought that would want to divert and distract our mission here on earth. And we apologize if we have tried to conceal you out of embarrassment or hide you out of, out of, just, of, of just fearfulness of not giving the right answer on biblical principles. You was never sent to this earth to be hidden or concealed. You were sent to this earth to shine to give glory to the Father. Use us. Set your light upon us that wherever we go, that all men will know the love of the Father lives within us. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Turn about two people and say, you know what, there's something different about you. I mean, besides that you're good looking and you're losing weight, I mean, there's something really. Stand with me this morning, huh? There's something different about you. There's the light of God in your heart. I can see it when you walk in the door. Quit trying to hide it. Quit trying to conceal it. Quit being embarrassed. There's a king living in you. He's going to be glorified. Communion service, if you'll please come this morning. I speak alongside John the Baptist. I'm not that light. All I am is a lampstand of the light. All I'm here to do is let that light set upon me in dark areas and let it disperse and dispel darkness. We don't have to theology agree everything on theology. We don't have to agree everything on certain biblical principles. But I'm telling you, one thing we've got to agree on, that Jesus is Lord of our life. And wherever we go, the light will influence That night he sat down with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup. And he said, this is not just any cup and this is not just any bread. I am the bread of life that has been sent from the Father. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And they didn't get it. And he said, this cup for 2,000 years you've been celebrating? But he said, I am the Lamb's blood.
I'm the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And any man whosoever partakes of this, his sins shall be forgiven. This morning, as we celebrate Holy Communion, I'm asking God to give you hyper hearing to let you see the days of being concealed and hidden are over. I'm here to blow the trumpet and tell you King Jesus has come. And he's come to establish his kingdom in our hearts. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Father, bless this cup. Bless this bread. And I pray that we'll leave this place with the glory of God being high and lifted upon our hearts and, our, and wherever we go, the light will influence our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.